another episode of the Dino Talk Podcast. Dino Talk Gang is back again, but this time we're without Jesse. Uh, he couldn't make it today, and Logan and I are going to talk prospects. But this time we're we're only doing quarterbacks. We're going to do an episode that we're going to talk about wide receivers. We're going to talk about running backs and tight ends. But today, just quarterbacks. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've been we've been waiting to do this for a while and excited to finally get around to it. But I think the way we're going to organize this is we're going to talk about our tiers. Like, with, we don't necessarily have the same tiers, but like we're going to first go with. Like I'll give my first tier and Logan will give his and then we'll talk about those guys. Then we'll go on to the next ones. But all right, Logan, you ready to kick this one off? Yes, sir. I guess I've been thinking about this one a little bit more on how I want to structure the tiers. I feel like, yeah, you could theoretically have the first tier be like, obviously the best prospects, generational, blah, blah, blah. I figured the best way that I would want to structure these tiers is to reiterate that I think that these quarterbacks can do well depending on if they get drafted to a good team or a bad team obviously i think the bears situation right now they have a pretty well built team uh coaching staff is still a little bit in question so theoretically it could be a bad landing spot but we don't know that yet um so i would say that my first tier these quarterbacks can prevail if they don't do well win their first contract i think that they could do well elsewhere um but obviously my first tier, it's got the two best quarterbacks in the draft. It's got Caleb Williams and Drake May. I uh, feel like it's a no-brainer that these two are miles ahead of the other competition. I think it's uh, a decent drop-off to the next quarterback. But I guess we'll figure out who that next one is. I kind of want to just highlight in this tier uh, elite playmaking ability. They have really good pocket presence, awareness, great arm talent super accurate. They can make the throws other, a lot of other quarterbacks can't make. And I think that they're, they're at a pretty good age to be drafted as well. They both played three years. I think that the competition that they got was relevant, wasn't SEC or big 10, but it did give, I think quarterbacks enough dropbacks to, you know, have enough experience. Uh, they didn't have like these crazy elite teams. I don't think, USC was decently ranked. Oklahoma was decently ranked. North Carolina kind of floated around. But I think that right now, I think that they're the best value in the draft at quarterback. I don't know. Who would you have one? Would you have Caleb one? Drake one? That's a great question. I think that right now the safest pick would be Caleb Williams and his ability to navigate a pocket, make plays on his feet. I think that... Uh, Drake may also makes really good impromptu plays and it makes some really crazy plays on his feet as well. But I think that Caleb Williams might have him be just an instinct. I don't know how else to really phrase it. He just, I don't know, navigates plays well. He, I don't know if it's just his pre-snap reading ability, but like his processing, his processing is probably the best way to phrase it. Is just elite. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I also have the same tier, uh, Caleb and Drake, and I would probably rank them one, uh, one Caleb, two Drake. But I, I haven't fully finished my Caleb, I or my Drake. Uh, I've actually done write-ups on. I've started on Caleb, or I finished Caleb Williams, posted on 
prospect talk website. Um, gonna get Drake's loaded up soon, but I have I have a few quarterbacks I'm gonna wrap up beforehand. But yeah, I mean when they're in the same tier, like they're kind of interchangeable. Like that's the the benefits of the tier. But I, yeah, I also think these two prospects are two pretty clear best ones. I mean, I my third one is I I think could get in this tier, but I I'm not gonna have him there to start. Um, Caleb, he's just his playmaking ability is second to none. Like he can get out of the pocket, and make plays. And, but the thing about Caleb that some people like to say that oh he's just a guy that holds the ball too long and is just like constantly just running around taking a bunch of sacks. But that's doesn't tell the whole story. He actually, when when he stays in the pocket, he he holds the ball pretty well, and he he usually only only escapes when he's pressured. Like he he does a pretty good job kind of containing himself in there. And he he can. I personally think he's a guy that can work in a quick read offense and can make the quick throws and read the field pretty well. So I'm I'm a big fan of Caleb. Um, his pressure, pressure to sack rate was a bit higher this past year at 23%. But I, throughout his career, he's had lower to where he's been like 16, 17%. And I, I personally think like I, in my write-up, I included this. I, my comp for him, I, I said was like a bigger version of Kyler with like more arm talent. And I, like a lot of people like to throw out the Mahomes comp, but I, I think the Kyler comp is probably better, like a, a maybe a better version of Kyler. Just because of based on play style, and I I think it's going to be key for Caleb is can he keep his sacks down because that's that's what the top quarterbacks do. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, they both are able to get their sack rates much lower in the NFL. And Josh Allen at first was kind of the same as college, but then he was able to lower it. But Patrick just that's his superhuman ability being able to avoid sacks. And I I do think Caleb can get lower. Like I I talked about in the article that he that. Like Josh Allen was one that kind of hovered a little bit higher, but when he got the NFL, it lowered. And I, I kind of think Caleb can get his lower and as he gets older and matures and gets in an offense that kind of helps him develop. Because um, I, th- I think sack rates are huge for quarterbacks. Like it, it's no secret that the top quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Mahomes, like they're able to keep low, very low pressure sack rates. And I, I think that's an important, important part of the value, evaluation. And yeah, and we know Caleb's arm's great. Um, yeah, he did, and he didn't have great surrounding pieces. Like I like how you said that. Like that, a lot of people think, oh, USC, they're ranked high. Like he's got great talent around him, but that wasn't really the case. And also going on to Drake May, he's the same way. Like before the season, I was a huge Drake May fan, and I, I said because they lost their offensive coordinator and lost some of their offensive skill talent, that he's going to have a worse year. Like that's going to happen. Like it's not many people are able to. Com- like have these exact same high level numbers just when you lose that many people and lose a coaching staff and Drake just, he's a guy that just makes high level throw after high level throw. Like that guy can thread with like throw the needle, like no other like downfield. He he's always willing to throw downfield and he can, he can just put it right in the bread basket. And he's just a really talented player. And he, he didn't have help. Like he had players dropping passes, um, some of his passes look like they were really off this year, but I, I kind of think some of that's just miscommunication with the wide receivers. And yeah, he's a guy that sometimes he has a tendency to bail pockets a little early, which is something to monitor. But overall, I think he's, he's just a playmaker. Like he's, he's a big guy. Um, he can make plays out of the pocket. He, 
I think he navigates the pocket pretty well. Um, yeah, his sack rate higher, like 18, 19%, which I, I, I don't think is a huge issue. I mean, if he can get that a little lower at the NFL level as he kind of matures, gets um, gets older. But overall, I think Drake May, like a lot of people are overthinking it with him. Like I've, I've seen on Twitter, the discourse has been pretty crazy this week. I don't know if you've seen that, Logan, but like some people have him much lower uh, on the list. And they think he's clear bust. I, I just don't see that with Drake. Like people like to say Mitch Trubisky, but that's just watching the two. They're statistically they're very different and the way they play is very different and the offense is not even close to the same when Mitch Trubisky played there from Drake May yeah Drake's a talented guy he makes big like big time throws like if you compare uh him his first two years and playing to Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen it's very similar being able to make a bunch of big time throws at a young age prior to your junior season like that's pretty incredible and that I, I think he's very he's different. Like he's a he's a really good player and Caleb is as well. Like I I'm a big fan of these two at the top. Yeah, I also just like think Drake May has like kind of an underrated rushing ability. Like oh, yeah. yeah, he does have a ton of scrambles the last two years, but like he's just like rushing and playmaking abilities like you I think I even saw a few plays where he tried to like hurdle someone just straight up, which I think is insane. I mean, he is a big dude, like you said, 230. So, like, I feel like there's really no concerns with that. But I don't know. I, I just think that they're so far ahead of the yeah. others just because of how raw they are. And, like, they're play. They obviously their stats reflected it, too. So, and that's something we'll talk about more in this episode. But I, when scouting quarterbacks, I, I kind of think there's, you always hear someone say, oh, he's a great runner and a passer. He's a dual threat guy. But it's just, I get like he's a playmaker, but like there's a difference between someone being able to run and someone being able to kind of make plays in the pocket. Like, cause there's some people that are like, like Will Levis when evaluating him, like he's a guy that he can run, like he can rush pretty well and he's got a great arm. It's just like, oh, he's just like Josh Allen. He's just like Mahomes. It's like, not really. Like that guy's a pocket passer who might also leave the pocket and run, but he, he doesn't make, try to make throws outside of the pocket. And that's something that, Caleb Williams and Drake May, they're able to extend the play by getting out of the pocket, unlike any other. And and that's something I found with this class. Like there's there's one other guy, really, that is able to do that in this class, in my opinion. And he's actually my next guy. But uh yeah, I I think that's a big indicator for quarterbacks is just being able to make make plays outside the pocket. Not not just being able to rush if it's a design play, but being able to kind of get out of the pocket and make plays with your arm and in your, with your leg. Cause that, that's what makes the best quarterbacks dangerous in my, in my opinion. Yeah. I feel like anyone that can, well, anyone that stands in a pocket gets rushing yards on a design pass play. I think it's just, there's nothing like it. Whereas like there are just technically dual threat quarterbacks that will prioritize the run a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty impressive. Okay. But I, I can go to my next tier if you would like. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sweet. So, I mean, there, this is just a standalone tier. I think that um, this is the tier that I think that if they, you know, they get into a good system or they get drafted to a decent team that gives them a chance. Honestly, I think this quarterback, especially if they took the time to be behind a veteran quarterback for a year, uh, that they could develop into a great player. And I think that 
Nick probably knows who this is. Uh, it's uh, JJ McCarthy from Michigan. I think that when watching JJ McCarthy, I think a lot of people, I don't know, criticize him for not throwing the ball as much, not having the ability to, to show his crazy strengths a ton. But I also think if you have a player that I don't even know how many Blake Quorum touchdowns uh, he had in those two seasons with J.J. McCarthy, but it was an insane amount. And I think if J.J. McCarthy got half of those, he would be probably rated a lot higher. But I think that one one thing about J.J. McCarthy as uh, age on his side, just turned 21, I think that but he was a five-star quarterback, correct? Yep. That's another thing. So he was graded really well out of college. That's that's great. He had three years, I guess, two years of starting, um, and went to the playoffs two of the, both of those years. So obviously he's been in big games. Uh, pulled through this last year, and I think that Jim Harbaugh runs. Uh, what does he run? A pro-style offense as well. Mm-hmm. So that helps uh, translation to the pros as well. Um, obviously some of his highlights of being able to make uh, tight window throws is pretty good. He has decent anticipation. I wish I would have seen a little bit more of it in the playoffs, but like I said earlier, when they played teams like Iowa, there was no need to make any of these crazy throws. And I also think that Michigan, like North Carolina and USC didn't have necessarily the best receiving talent. They did have, I really liked Loveland as a tight end and uh, Roman Wilson was all right. Not going to be like some crazy draft prospect, but I think that he made the best out of what he had. And, uh, you know, he just did what it took to win. And I think that's a great quality as a quarterback. He didn't turn the ball over uh, very often. And honestly, I think it's kind of hard to, grade him as a prospect i think that he has all the qualities of a quarterback that you'd want on your team but he also just doesn't have these insane college stats so i mean if you just look at the qualities he has and characteristics as a quarterback i would draft him so i think that uh, the next two quarterbacks that i would discuss there are negatives to them that would take away from me wanting them to to draft him and that's something that I don't think JJ really showed. So minus maybe playing with some injuries that deterred his running and scrambling, but I mean, that's not something you can help. So that's my second tier. Yep. And teased a little bit earlier. I actually have the exact same tier. Here's Logan. <laughs> I have JJ standalone in third, um, which I mean, we both have it, but that's kind of a hot take in the, <laughs> In the draft world, is a lot of people kind of have Jaden Daniels set in stone as the third. Some people even have him second, but uh, I don't. Logan doesn't, but we'll talk about him in a bit. But with JJ, I I kind of think the one thing about JJ is I talked about um, with my first tier is the playmaking playmaking ability. Like he's able to kind of escape the pocket and make plays with his arms, with his legs, and he's able to kind of stand in the pocket and make throws. Like I, I think JJ is a guy that when he first gets into the league, he might kind of be more of like a system type guy. But I, I think as he develops, I think he's a guy that has a ton of potential. Like I I really like JJ's ability to, yeah, make tight tight window throws because he he didn't have a, 
a lot of guys have made great separation this year. Like I think Roman Wilson um, can make a role in the NFL, and I think even Cornelius Johnson can. But those those guys are not outside winners at the college level. Like I think a lot of the times when Roman, I mean, he had a good year, um, had a lot of touchdowns, but he when they could kind of get him on the move, um, that's when he was able to kind of gain separation and make plays. But a lot of the throws JJ was making was he was passing tight windows, and he he did not turn the ball over much this year. Like he had the Bowling Green game that was kind of uh, look a little discouraging early on, but that was really the only game where he turned the ball over a lot. And um, yeah, with JJ, it's it's kind of tough to like based on the way I'm describing, he should be in the first tier, but like he he just doesn't have the um, the volume that uh, May and Williams have. So it's like a lot of with JJ's projecting. And I I think he's got a lot of talent. Um, he's very young. Like he's he just turned twenty one. He's going to be twenty one his his whole rookie year, um, as long as he doesn't make the Super Bowl, uh, which he could. But uh, <laughs> twenty six and one as a college starter, a guy can win. But um, yeah, the volume concerns are the biggest, in my opinion, issue with JJ. Um, I think he personally can do it. But he just wasn't asked to. Like he played with the best defense in college football, um, and also a pretty good run game. And when when you're that good defensively and get a lead early, like a lot of people just want JJ to have a bunch of passing stats. But that's kind of the way Michigan runs. And Jim Harbaugh is not a guy. He's not a style points guy. Never has been. And they where they would run the ball a lot. And he didn't play a lot of fourth quarters. Like he didn't play the fourth quarter until like week eight or nine. I mean, heck, he could have, he could have played three quarters in the national championship game. I mean, he, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of tough when it comes to evaluating him just with the, the lack of reps. But I, I do think he's got tremendous ability. I mean, I think he's a very good athlete, and I, I think his arm talent's pretty good too. Like, I, I don't think it's, like, I, I don't think it's the Caleb Williams level or Drake May, but I, I think it's a little bit behind that and maybe the next best in the class other than uh the joe milton but uh <laughs> yeah with jj i i kind of think landing spot could be kind of key for him and his development um I, I think he could be a guy that sits maybe for a year or at least for a bit early on as he as he's so young and doesn't have the reps but i i kind of wonder if the giants are a decent landing spot. Like I've kind of gone back and forth. The Vikings seem to be pretty clear, but the Giants, I get six. Uh, Jesse's not on, but he Jesse's a big Daniel Jones guy, so he he'd hate to hear that. But I think JJ with with Daniel Jones for a year would not be the worst option in my opinion. Yeah, that that was um, a quarterback. I was kind of going for their head really early on. I can't remember who I was saying about like who was going to take their spot because i think you even pushed back on it like oh why would they go for a quarterback like you know when they have so much money invested in their quarterback and i was just kind of still skeptical because daniel jones did just get that big contract but i was also just skeptical of his production his overall play and he just got injured but then there's that argument oh he doesn't have weapons get him weapons it'll do something but i also sometimes don't find that to be too valid of an argument so one thing I want to touch on on these three quarterbacks, too, is their ability to throw on the run. I think that that's something I didn't mention, and I think it's very valuable. There are just some quarterbacks that go into the NFL. They cannot throw accurately on the run, and I think that all three of these can do that to a very – they can do it very well. 
So, yeah, no, I I agree. That's that's really not something you see. Like that's kind of what I was, what I was getting at when I like talked about the playmaking aspect. Like the other quarterbacks in this class, like some of them can run, but they they don't throw a lot of throw on the run a lot, and they and when they do, it's mainly design rollouts. But yeah, JJ is one who kind of gets out on his own and makes plays. So does Drake and Caleb. But the other thing I'd say with uh, JJ is a lot. A lot of people like to make the oh he's the next Zach Wilson type comp, but I I would push back a lot against that just because of the the offense JJ came from. Like he he played in an offense that's pretty common in the NFL. Like he he was under center often. Um, yeah, played with a coach that was in the NFL for a long time, and he he's going to be a guy that's going to get in the NFL and kind of be able to fit in pretty easily to kind of their playbook and be able to learn pretty quickly. Whereas Zach Wilson, when watching him back, like he, that offense is not like, cause I was watching Jaron Hall like last year, but that, that offense is just does not translate to where it's just something completely new um, for Zach Wilson. And the, so that's why I think JJ, like the idea that he's just going to be an outright bust, I, I would push back quite a bit against that. I think with him, it's just whether or not he reaches his potential. Okay, so what do you think of this? I saw this comp earlier, uh, uh, that JJ is an athletic Kirk Cousins. Have you seen that yet? I have not. I've I've seen the, like, Alex Smith comp quite a bit. But uh, athletic Kirk Cousins, I could see that. I could see that. I I don't know. It's it's kind of tough. I I don't have a set comp for JJ, just because I think there's a lot of range of outcomes for him. Um, and I kind of don't know where he'll settle settle in at the NFL level, like especially if he's passing a lot. Like I, to be honest, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's the interesting thing is that there's a clear spot I think for Caleb Williams and Drake May. I guess Drake May has like two teams he could potentially go depending on how much you value Jaden Daniels. But I think Caleb Williams clear Bears, and then uh, May is going to go on. Washington or the Patriots potentially and I think I've seen JJ vary from like the Falcons Broncos Raiders uh Vikings and it's just the list goes on and on so yeah I've seen the Vikings one a lot and I know there's some Vikings accounts that are kind of advocating for them which I I mean that'd be a fun one I think all right do you want to go to the next tier you yes sir start it off yeah yeah, you go ahead and start it off, even though it uh, ended up, uh, I think we had the same tiers for everyone. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, probably true. Um, but the next one here, the next tier, I was kind of I was kind of torn on the order in which I'd have these guys. But I. Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix and Bo Nix all in the same tier um, in that they're they're all three older prospects like they they're guys that are all fifth year guys, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's what it is, but I think, yeah, I think all of them transferred as well. Right. They had stents. I think they had two to three years starting at the first school then transferred. And yeah, Jane Daniels is the guy that's getting a lot of, a lot of hype. He's probably going to be a top five pick and he's, he's a tremendous athlete. And he had an amazing year, his last year. And I don't know. I'm I'm a bit hesitant to pop him up into the top tier just based on the one season. Because I going into this year, I had him as 14 on my quarterbacks that I watched, and the quarterbacks that I watched, I actually watched 14. 
Like I, I Jade Daniels in the bottom. Like I, I just did not see him as a guy that's going to be able to make it, make a living in the NFL. But he's a guy that this year that improved. Um, he showed the ability to kind of go through progressions. He started making more downfield throws and more plays with his feet. But I, I'm hesitant just because of my evaluation ahead of time. Like he's just a guy that when it came to making a play with his arm, like he just wasn't able to do that. And I, I think this year I still kind of have similar concerns. Like he's a guy that we talked about playmaking, throwing on the run. Like Jaden Daniels is a very good athlete and he can make plays with his feet. But a lot of the time with Jaden Daniels, like he'll escape the pocket just to run. And he's a guy that he was pretty quick out of the pocket. Like I kind of think a comp for Jaden Daniels and Justin Fields, like they, they do play kind of similar. And a lot of people are saying, like, oh, the Bears should take Jane Daniels. But I I I would push strongly against that. And I even for teams outside of number one, like even if the Bears move off from Justin Fields, like I'd I'd rather have Justin Fields than I would Jane Daniels. Um just because I I kind of think Jane Daniels is the guy that I I I think a, a top tier out, outcome is kind of similar to Fields. Even though he he is able to make go through reads and process a little better than Fields, but he he does have the similar concerns with sacks. Like that's just something that was constant throughout his college careers. He he takes a lot of sacks and he he bails very early from pockets. And he also played with two first round wide receivers and a couple other ones that are very talented. Um, so overall, I I like Jane Daniels and I I think there's a situation in which he could work well um, just because he he runs well and if he can get in an offense where he can have guys get open for him, then I, I think he can make plays, but he, he's just not a, a guy that's going to kind of lead people on like lead wide receivers and kind of make um, anticipatory throws. Like he's just a guy that he, he'll make the deep throw. Um, he'll throw to someone when they're open, but I, I kind of worry if he's in an offense where players where the wide receiving core isn't great, and maybe when the offense is great as a whole. But if he if he lands in a good situation, Daniel Daniels could be all right. That's what, that's why I have him as number four. Um, you want to go ahead with your number four? I talked a while there on Daniels. Yeah, so this is the one I'm still kind of undecided on. I don't know if I'm too hard on Jaden Daniels or something, but I just really like Michael Penix's arm talent as well. Uh, his strength is insane, but yeah. Realistically, Jaden Daniels, number four. I think that the biggest things I didn't like about him is his consistency on throwing like more high level throw high level throws. His um I think it was the Florida game that I watched decently close where there was a few times that he just couldn't hit the receiver at a great spot, or like you said, he would lean on scrambling and running outside of the pocket to make a play, but then you would rewind it, realize that there's two wide open receivers that are equally as far as he ran and could have made the same play without, you know, getting tired. So I think that there are some concerns about him progressing through his breeds. I also think that he's undersized. I think for being a running quarterback, he, I mean, he's 6'4", 210, I think. Yeah, he's pretty Realistically, Trey being 230 is more of a, it's a better way to be sitting at, I think, if you're going to be mobile, potentially taking hits. I think a lot of the plays that I watch, though, he's pretty good about 
getting out, getting out of bounds, avoiding some hits. But when he did take hits against Alabama, he was getting thrown. Yeah. Which is the problem is if he does get caught up with, he's not going to take an easy hit and go down slow. He's going to get thrown. Yeah, that's another part so, of my yeah, yeah, I wanted to preface that that a lot of a lot of plays I've seen he he does get out of bounds, but there are also an equal number of plays, especially against Alabama, where he gets absolutely thrown, and that's concerning because it's it's not what you want to see out of a mobile quarterback. But um, I also think he has decent vision running for the most part. I th- think that he's somewhat aware. But against the against Alabama is whenever I was concerned about his vision because he does move his head around. He's tries to become hyper aware of players around him so that he can adjust himself. But it was against Alabama that he was getting caught up and absolutely destroyed. But I don't know. I think that he's more of a volatile quarterback. He didn't turn turn the ball over very much in the last two years, um, interception wise. But there are just concerns about his consistency on making high level throws for me and his ability to stand in a pocket make plays and i just think he bails like you said uh, from the pocket a lot more than i would like especially with him having such high level talent to throw to it's was a bit concerning and another thing that i think um should also be highlighted is that their defense actually sucks so badly that his ability to have so many dropbacks and the stats that he had uh, were essentially made from having the worst defense in the SEC is what it felt like. So overall, I don't know. I'm so iffy on him. I I think it's insane that um, he's getting so much draft capital. I'm also becoming extremely skeptical of these fifth year guys. Um, I think that, him having three years at Arizona State and then settling in at LSU for two. I mean, he did improve a lot at LSU, I thought. But being 23, it's not going to pan out usually for you in the NFL, especially having your first contract up and you're going to be like 28. So that's that. That's my opinion. Yeah, and I, I kind of – I. I think that's an important point uh, with the Jane Daniels evaluation is, yeah, he he not only played, it was in college five years, but he, he played all five years. Like he, he played all along the way. And like Kenny Pickett, for example, like that's that's the, the comp you can't really get too far off of because Kenny Pickett is a guy that was kind of kind of average before his final season. And then he got a first round wide receiver and he turned into a Heisman candidate and became a first round pick. Like what what happens if Jaden Daniels is that same guy? Like I, I do think Jaden Daniels in general, he, he has the legs, which is gonna be helpful. And also like he he does keep his turnovers down, where even if he turns into the guy from the first four years, which to be honest is not that crazy, like I, I think he'd still be a low turnover guy, but it's just eventually I think they're gonna want more. Like if he's if he's more of the player from the first four years. Like he's just a guy that eventually you're going to kind of want to reset that quarterback contract. But the other, the other cop that people like to say with Daniels is like Joe Burrow, like Joe Burrow's a guy that made the breakout late in his college career. But the problem with Joe Burrow and why I kind of push back against that comparison is Joe Burrow didn't really play 
early on. Like he he played the one year before his breakout, and then he had the breakout season where he was tremendous. But Daniels had five years, like four years of playing prior to his breakout, and that's that's why I don't I, I don't think we all of a sudden have a burrow in our pants. I kind of think Jane Daniels is going to be kind of settle a little bit. Maybe it's in between his fourth and fifth year, but I don't know. He's he's kind of an interesting eval, but I think with JJ McCarthy, I kind of feel a little more confident in him at the NFL level. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I also just like looking at quality of throws and just overall arm talent. I'm just not as confident in Jaden Daniels and also just pocket awareness and presence. It's just nine day difference. I think and yeah. that's just a, why I have it as a step down, but I'm still skeptical of why the NFL scouts don't have it that way. But I mean, they get paid the big bucks for it. So that's exactly right. But we'll be back after a quick break. Welcome back to the Dino Talk podcast. I'm going to be rounding off my last quarterback of my tier, which I should read preface. Uh, I think that this tier consists of quarterbacks that I think need more of an ideal scenario getting drafted. I think maybe it's a hot take that uh, Jaden Daniels needs more of a preferential team to be drafted to. But in my opinion, as of right now, I think that's what I believe should be the case. I think he has some glaring weaknesses that maybe will be addressed by coaching staff, but going into my last quarterback, it's Michael Penix. I think, um, I think now looking back, he's actually a six year quarterback. Cause he was, I was trying to think of the Tennessee recruiting cycle with Jeremy Pruitt. And I think he was in that, but I forgot why he didn't end up committing, but, um, I think that's another thing that's worth mentioning that not only is he a six-year quarterback, he's later in, I think he's almost 24. He's um, definitely not the same. Well, yeah, I guess both him and Jaden Daniels are 23, but he's a few months older. He's going to be 24 in May. Ooh. And uh, so I I guess I should probably start with the negatives of Penix because I do think he has a – a lot of talent passing, but I think the one thing that makes me the most skeptical of him is overall his injury history, tearing both his ACLs and having to really have his two breakout seasons happen with Washington. I Honestly, when he was at Indiana, I thought he was pretty good. It's just that I thought he was extremely unlucky. But I think just having a previous injury history like that before the NFL and also almost being 24, just it's not looking good. But I also think that he has like unreal arm talent. I think that his ability to put velocity on a ball is it's pretty insane. I think that his, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, I think that his like throwing motion is just so interesting. Cause I, I don't know if he like manipulates it or something, but his ability to like flick the ball compared to going through like a large windup motion or anything is insane. Cause if you watch him throw screen passes, his ability to get the ball to the sideline is it's pretty insane. And so I think that his talent or his uh, talent is an overall passer is pretty crazy. I think that he has really good intuition and I think he has great pre-snap reads. I, or, 
maybe it was just the Washington offense or something, but I think that his ability to understand uh, the routes that his receivers are going to run and the coverage the defense is going to have, he can throw some really high high level throws. Um, his anticipation and zone and overall progression, I think, is pretty good. But that sometimes he does throw some balls that I question. But overall, as a passer, I I have him way over Jaden Daniels. I just think that his injury history is really concerning. I also think that him standing in the pocket and his mobility is just non-existent. So I think that at the NFL level, that's just not going to cut it. I think theoretically, if he had like the world's best line and great receivers, great offense, he could be an amazing quarterback. But I just think that that's just not really realistic translating to the NFL unless he gets drafted to a place that caters to all of that. But yeah, I I just think that injury history and mobility really prevent me from him being drafted too highly, I think. Age, injury, history, and mobility are going to be the things that hold him back from actually being able to thrive in the NFL. But I, I do think he could be a spot starter, and maybe he has a few game windows. Like he has a Josh Dobbs s season, maybe where he comes in, lights the world on fire, and just slings the ball around like he did in college. But I, I don't think it's that sustainable. So those are the two quarterbacks that I have in my last year that I think that they were worth evaluating. Uh, but honestly, this tier three, there's just some glaring negatives about them that I think it's going to hold them back from having a sustainable NFL career. But who knows, though? I, I do really like Michael Penix's arm. I think it's also extremely funny whenever you look at people trying to throw out any sort of uh, NFL comparison to him because they only go with lefty quarterbacks. And I think that's... Two over Michael Vick. I think that's so stupid. I think, I think, uh, especially putting Michael Vick out there, one of the best runners ever is in the quarterback position is uh, a horrible comp for Michael Penix because he just is immobile. So that, that's what I think about him. Michigan. The, he actually kind of reminds me of this guy from Michigan. He probably five or six years ago, he didn't play a lot, but he was a high rated recruit. Shane Morris. I don't know if you remember him. They they don't play similar at all, but he was lefty, so that's they gotta that's be great pretty comp. similar. <laughs> I just, I just throwing out the joke there, but uh, yeah, I also have Michael Penix next. I kind of saw a lot of the same thing as you. I to be honest, I'm I'm not as big on the arm. Like I I think he's got a good arm, but I I don't think it's in the Caleb Williams uh, Drake May tier. I kind of think it's more of like JJ. Uh, Probably in that, maybe possibly even lower. I'm I'm not entirely sure, but uh, like with Penix, yeah, the injuries are definitely a key part of his evaluation because it's I think it's hurt his mobility a lot because he he does not escape the pocket a lot. Like he he does on occasion, but he's a lot more conservative about it. And I don't know if that's just because of his play style or because of just kind of being worried. Because that's if you tear your ACL that many times, I'm sure you're not going to be as likely to take a lot of hits but that's kind of also a, a, a good thing about Penix in my opinion is he he avoids sacks very well um he's a he's very good in the pocket at being able to see rushers and kind of being able to sidestep 
Yeah, that's a that that's another thing I also want to say that I think is a really interesting stat. I think he was like top three in college football for throwaways, and I think honestly that's something I didn't even think about whenever I was evaluating him. And I think that that's a great skill to have. He knows his weaknesses and he's playing towards them. And I had, that's a good thing to add in. Oh yeah, and it, I just don't think he likes to take hits. Like I I think that's part of it. Like a and I. I know I don't like it's not good to base an evaluation off one game, but against Michigan, I kind of think you saw some weaknesses for him in that, like when he starts getting hit, like he he doesn't take the sacks, but he he'll just kind of throw it, just just to throw it, like just to avoid being hit. And he he kind of has that in his game where if if teams start taking away what he likes, like he kind of starts getting a little panicky and quick with his throws, and I. I I could see in the NFL that being an issue. Um, but then another thing with Penix's game is he, I'll kind of come back to that in a bit, but he he does not throw over the middle of the field much. Like he, he is basically a perimeter thrower at all times. But I mean, don't get me wrong. He's pretty good at it. Like he he throws a lot of screens and he's, he's pretty effective at that. And he also like he, he, makes a lot of good throws on the outside wide receivers. Like if you, if you get him in an offense where you have a lot of guys on the outside that can win, like I, I could kind of be for Penix being on that team. Um, but like with Michigan, they, they took away the outside and kind of dared him to throw over the middle. He just, he just doesn't like to do it. Like he, he does everything he can to, to do that. And that's something in the NFL, like, when it comes to being a starter, you got to be able to do that because at the NFL level, like the coaches are so good and the players are so talented, like it, to where if teams are just going to force him to throw in the middle of the field until like either does it or he's not going to be playing much to where that's, that's the, you mentioned him as a spot starter. Like that's the situation which I could see him not being able to make it as a starter and him being like the Josh Dobbs, like play three games and then teams kind of figure you out and then you, um, go back to the bench. Like I, I kind of am interested to see what kind of career path he goes because he he does have to improve on that. And he, he's been in college six years and he still is not willing to do it. To where I'm, I'm kind of doubtful on it. But at the same time, like he makes a lot of high level throws. Like he's been doing it throughout his whole career. Like his big time throw rate has been pretty high ever since he was at Indiana. And yeah, Boyd Saxwell um, can make make plays on the perimeter. That's, that's pretty good, but. Yeah, in the NFL, if it, I kind of worry about the, not throwing over the middle and not being able to escape the pocket. Like if things aren't great, like if his offensive line isn't super and people aren't winning on the outside, like things can get a little rough for Penix. And that's where I think landing spot, like I I kind of think the most logical landing spot for him is Seattle, um, just because they, they just got his offensive coordinator from Washington, um, Grubb. And I, I kind of think that he's – that might be a landing spot for him. And they and they have some guys on the outside that can win. Like I I think Penix could work with that team. Like because they they have some pretty good wide receivers and have a run game to support him. Um but I'm kind of interested in on I think landing spots important for Penix. I really do. Like I I think being able to kind of fit the players around him is important and just getting an offense that he can be comfortable with. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Um I also think it's interesting too. It's just that uh, both Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix had insane receiver talent as well. But I think that that catered so well to Michael Penix because 
Um, having players that can play w- well with screen passes, I think, was really important to his success. So, yeah, that, if you're not going to throw over the middle of the field. You got to be able to find ways to kind of sub- supplement that, and that's the having a good screen game is pretty important. But I'll I'll go into my next guy here because I I know you don't have him in your tier, but the, in this tier I also have Bo Nix. Um, Bo Nix is the guy that I feel like consistently people have him in the kind of QB four, five, six range. And yeah, I I haven't at six, I believe that's what it is. And like he's a guy that has he has some strengths as a player. I mean he's a fifth year guy, I believe, played at Auburn for a few years prior to going to Oregon. And I think at Auburn he kind of wore out his welcome. Um and they I really think they didn't fit his skill set too well. And I I think Oregon did a very good job of Kind of utilizing his strengths as a player, and Nick's is the guy that gets rid of the ball quickly. Like that's that's one thing about him that that I liked. Like he he was able to make quick decisions, and he's a guy that does not like to push the ball downfield a lot. Like he he threw like nearly seventy percent of his pass, passes within nine yards of the line of scrimmage. And I I've I've been scrolling P, PFF for a while now, and I, I haven't seen anybody quite like that. Like they they figured out the best way to utilize Nick's is just simplify it for him make him throw short and kind of mix in deep shots every once in a while and use his legs and that kind of created a pretty decent offense but Nix is another one that doesn't make plays outside of the pocket with his legs like he's he can run like you do a read option like he can take off and run or sometimes on scrambles he'll do it but he doesn't try to extend the play and use his arm like he doesn't throw on the run a ton outside of schemed up plays but yeah with Nix I I kind of think the fit for Knicks, like they could go JJ early, but the Broncos, like I, I think Knicks to the Broncos be, could be a fit for the Sean Payton offense. And that like with Drew Brees, like he threw the ball short a ton and they had a pretty good offense. And I, I think Knicks kind of works out well with that, where it just kind of mix in deep shots. I mean, he's got a good arm. He just doesn't, like if you're going to put him in an offense where he's going to be kind of hitting all levels of the field, probably going to be disappointed in Knicks. But if you're in an offense like kind of like Shanahan type offense, maybe a McFay style, Sean Payton, I think would work pretty well. Like just an offense that kind of quick reads, throwing it quick, getting the ball out to playmakers. That's, that's something that's going to be important for Knicks. Cause he's, he's more of a, he's a pretty good distributor. Like that, that's the way I would describe Knicks. I, I don't think he's a playmaker and I don't think he's a, a top level quarterback, but I think he could be a guy that, in an offense, like you could be pretty happy with him just because he's doesn't make a ton of mistakes. And he also he avoids sacks very well as well. Like him and Penix, the like the, kind of the opposite of Jane Daniels. Like he Jane Daniels sack rate stayed high all, all of his years. Michael Penix and um Bo Nix both have pretty low sack rates. And that's that's definitely definitely something that's important for the an offense similar to like Sean Payton in that um just get the ball out quick, don't make mistakes. And I I think Nix is kind of the opposite of Russell Wilson. And I think that might be a welcome addition for Sean Payton there in Denver. But yeah, something to like about Nix. Like I'm not I'm not a huge fan, but at the same time, like I, I think he could work at the NFL level. I kind of regret not putting him in that tier, but I also just think that he has some of the weirdest anomaly stats that I just don't find him feasible as a realistic quarterback in the NFL just because I think that his, uh, you mentioned it, his A dot being uh, less than seven yards this past season is uh, 
kind of a weird thing to realistically have translate to the NFL because that could easily be keyed in on. Like if you're only throwing these short passes all the time for high high completion, you know, plays, it's not going to translate too well. But I mean, there are some things to like, like you said, he doesn't really turn the ball over, kind of gets the job done. But I also think that big time throws has never been like a asset for him as well either. So he's kind of meh to me, you know? No, absolutely. It's, he doesn't test a lot of tight windows. He just kind of makes the play. Like the thing with Nick's that kind of frustrates me the most. And he, he kind of like a little bit like Kirk Cousins kind of does is he'll, it'll be third and long third and nine. And he'll, he'll throw a three yard drag. Um, he'll gain seven yards. It'll help his stats make, the stats good, but he he just doesn't. He's not willing to test a lot of windows. Like he he's really not. Like he's he's just a guy that if you put him in an offense where you have a good defense and can have good playmakers, he can be good. But if you're wanting someone to be the leader of your offense, I don't think Penix is, or I don't think Nix is that guy for you. Yeah, that's why I was kind of writing him off because I just think that his non-existent playmaking ability is just something that. I don't like to evaluate too much. <laughs> so, yeah, he's not my kind of quarterback, but he's I, I could see him working for people. I I don't think he'll be a second contract, big second contract guy. I I would be very surprised if that was the case. But I I think it's funny too because I was so high on Bailey Zappi, but when it comes to Bo Nix, uh, I'm I'm kind of shying away. But uh, I think the only reason I was so high on Bailey Zappi is because he was basically unheard of and had unreal just these unreal stats in college, but they're uh, both uh, bona fide system quarterbacks. So they, they they can do well, you know, given good circumstances like Mac Jones, not winning over the locker room. So who knows? But do you have, do you have some more quarterbacks you want to talk about today? If not, I can start rattling some off. Rattling them off. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I just given a shout out to, the only other quarterbacks that I think could have any draft capital that is worthwhile looking, maybe picking up on a fantasy team would just be Spencer Rattler and Michael Pratt. But honestly, I don't have the strongest opinions of them. So, yeah. I've, I've watched Pratt a decent amount, but I'll, I'll start with Rattler. Rattler is a guy, I'd, he was very promising early on, like at Oklahoma. You're like, okay, this guy is going to be the next, he'll be a number one pick in a, in a few years. But Rattler really never materialized. Like he he was pretty good in their system early on, but then he kind of once he started once they started needing him to make plays for himself, he he didn't really do it. Like he he was pretty good with the schemed up, and he he started to improve later in that he he was a high turnover guy. He would just kind of be kind of reckless with the ball. That's something he got a little bit better at, like later on. But he he still like when. Throwing the ball downfield, he's kind of reckless with it still, and he he takes a lot of sacks, and he he doesn't go through his reads too well, which is why I'm I'm still not that high on Rattler. I I think he's kind of a later round guy. Like he could he could maybe start a couple games for a team, and people can get excited, but I I don't think he's a like he's got some Gardner Minshew potential. I'll say that, but none more than that. Like I I think he could be a guy that could have a Minshew like role. Or he could be a guy that could be out of the league in three to four years. But 
It, yeah, I also want to add in uh, this little tidbit because I wish I mentioned it earlier. Uh, Justin Fields uh, fans on Twitter are trying to cling on to one coping mechanism left to try to keep Justin Fields on the team, and that's to say Caleb Williams has character issues. I want to just put this out there. I haven't looked into any of this, but I feel like if any one of these quarterbacks would have character issues, it might be Spencer Rattler. Just be, <laughs> But he's also super competitive and shows that on the field, so that could be a good thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't disagree with you there. But uh, next guy I'll talk about is Mike Pratt. Um, well, I've watched a decent amount of him. I he's a guy that is somewhat exciting, uh, but to me, like he takes a lot of sacks. Like that—that's the one thing. But he he does take care of the ball well. Um, I I believe it was this SMU game this year, like in their conference title. Like he got sacked like seven times. Like he he's a guy that. He's a he's a pretty decent athlete for the American level, but I I kind of think in the NFL he could be a guy that could get sacked quite a bit, and kind of when the pressure kind of gets on him, I I could see him really start to crumble. Um, but he he does make some exciting plays. Like I've seen some people say, like not as big of a fan of his arm, but I I am like I I think he can make quite a bit of th- quite a few throws. Like he can he can make throws on the outside pretty well and and downfield. But I, I just consistent consistently with his arm, like I'm just not a huge fan. Um he's they've had a good run game throughout his whole time at Tulane. They have Tajay Spears, they have Hughes now. Um but I yeah, I think Pratt's a guy that I've I've seen the Broncos are kind of a fan of him. So I, I think Pratt's a guy that could end up starting games. But in terms of long term, I I I don't see him as a long-term option for a team, but I mean, he, he could be a guy that can make a, make a career as a backup. That's, that's one thing I'll say. Yeah. And I think that realistically, if you're an NFL team, there's a point in time where value becomes the thing that you're looking for. And I think that mid rounds for Michael Pratt, the value starts to, you know, start looking good. And I think that he would be worth a shot in the mid rounds. I think that's another thing that, you know, he might get a shot. He might not, but I think he'd be valuable to take a chance on. And if he's, if he's not a guy that takes a bunch of sacks, like, yeah, he could be a guy on a rookie contract that you could keep around for four years and kind of make, I, I, I think they'd have a, a lot of questions about whether, whether to pay him. But I mean, if he can yeah, keep his sacks down, make some plays, like he could, he could, he could do something in the NFL. If if not, yeah, I th- I think he could be a backup guy. Like he he's taking the care of the ball pretty well. He doesn't make a ton of high level throws, but he yeah he takes care of the ball well and he can get rid of the ball pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I think he has the mold for an ideal backup quarterback that floats around in the league for the next fifteen years. He's yeah. got Brian Hoyer talent. <laughs> I'm just, I'm <laughs> Jared, just Jared Browning in in six six or seven years he's gonna have a three game stretch. We're going to be wondering if he's if he's a franchise quarterback. And yeah, I, I kind of think see that as the Michael Pratt career arc right there. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Next guy, Logan, you want to touch it all on Joe Milton? Yeah, I I, I suppose I could. I I just feel like uh, Joe Milton out of Michigan slash Tennessee has been one of the most interesting prospects to look at over the past few years, because he's extremely built. I think sometimes he shows flashes in the run game that are pretty impressive, but there are some times where he goes for a truck when I think he could not do that, but it, 
it's a really hype player to watch. Uh, I think his arm alone might be worth drafting him for end of half Hail Marys because realistically, if you've got a guy that can take a snap from the 30-yard line and get it to the end zone when there's two seconds before the half, I think that's a guy worth being on the team. I think he's worth a shot depending on where he goes. I I don't know. I just think his reading ability and his ability to measure pressure in the pockets not been developed enough, but maybe given the right coaching, he could become what I wanted him to be the last few seasons, but I think he's extremely interesting. I I don't I didn't see enough to think that he would be worth drafting highly, but he has unreal talent uh, in his arm, though. But his his ability to make short throws and not throw the ball with less touch, I think, is concerning. Yeah, that's my biggest thing with him. I I do think with Joe Milton, I do think he's going to get drafted. Like some people might not think he will, but I I think someone's going to draft him. Like whether it be sixth, seventh round, I think someone's going to be like, okay. Like he he's got a pretty good personality. Like he like coaches like him. Like there's a reason why like Jim Harbaugh, Josh Heupel both made that guy the starting quarterback on their team, and Josh Heupel did it twice. Like there's like these <laughs> they be, they believe in him as a player, and I I believe he probably practices well, and I I think Joe Milton's gonna be a coach someday. Like I just like he like Hendon Hooker is a big fan of him, and like he's supposedly a great teammate. Um, and yeah, he's got unreal ability, like his arm and his size, like his like size of Cam. I remember seeing him prior to him playing in Michigan. He's got the size of Cam Newton and the arm of like Aaron Rodgers. Like, yeah, he's got the, the great measurables, but the problem is he, he never put it all together. And I like his rushing. Like, I was like, Oh, he could be a good rusher. Like he's got great size. He's got decent athleticism. Um, but he just, he doesn't have great vision running the ball, and he also doesn't he doesn't throw on the run. Like he's not he's not really a playmaker. Like he's a guy that he'll scramble if he has to, like and run it, but he's not going to make throws out of the pocket, which is something I I hoped he would develop. And also with his arm, like he'll he'll make some crazy throws. Like he'll throw it seventy five yards down the field, be like, okay, this guy's going to be the next guy, but then he'll just struggle for three quarters to kind of lead a drive past <laughs> two maybe one or two first downs. Like I just, but I do think someone's going to fall in love with the traits. Someone's going to be like, Oh wait, you know what? I can fix him. Give me three years with Joe Milton. And maybe then his touch will be all right. And then I could throw him in there and get a chance. Like I, I think Joe Milton's going to start an NFL game at some point. Like a coach is going to be like, you know what? I think I fixed him. Throw him in there. Give him two games. He'll probably be back, but I don't know. I'm, He's intriguing. He's intriguing, but, but I, I hope I it's the Dolphins. I hope it's the Dolphins that draft. I just want to see one pass to Tyree Kill. That's all I ask for because Tua's not doing it. He's not throwing it on the run. Tua gets hurt late in the season, week thirteen to sixteen. Give me Joe Milton throwing the ball, Tyree Kill, and Jalen Waddle. <laughs> he could have four completions for like three hundred and twenty yards. <laughs> Twenty-one, three hundred something yards, and they win. <laughs> yeah, that. That that would be a side to see. But any other quarterbacks to touch on? I 
can't really no, think I can't of. really think of any that uh, they, they, I mean obviously I think there's like two or three that could be like six and seventh rounders but I, I can't think of any off the top of my head but yeah I mean that was a, that was a fun episode always lo love to talk about the prospects um yeah there's it's I think it's pretty good quarterback class. Like I think even back to Bo Nix, like at six, like that's not a bad spot to be in a, for a class. Like to be able to have six guys that could be drafted in the first three to four rounds. Like I, I think Nix would be drafted ahead of Penix, for instance. Like I, I think Penix is probably going to be a third or fourth rounder, just with measurables and kind of his limitations. But yeah, someone I think someone's going to draft Nix second round. I think they'll be. Four quarterbacks, probably first round. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely do think looking at just the top six quarterbacks, like you said, is pretty wild. Whenever you have some classes like Kenny Pickett and Desmond Ritter being the first two quarterbacks taken, so I think that there's going to be some promising quarterbacks coming out of this one. Oh yeah, yeah, and even with both of us, we have Jaden Daniels fourth, but Jaden Daniels is still going to be drafted. Probably he's probably going to be a top five pick. To where he's he's going to be drafted in your leagues, like he's going to be drafted in fantasy leagues, like he's going to be a guy that gets a long leash, and to where I I think when it comes to fantasy, like I would probably have him third or fourth, but like I I could understand taking him higher, but like just from an NFL perspective, that's that's why I have him at fourth, and like I I was kind of hesitant on him and Penix, similar to you, and also even Nick's. Like just because they're all kind of later year players, but yeah, Daniels is going to get get the draft capital and the opportunity. Yeah, and I think a good thing to point out too is not necessarily I don't uh, like Jaden Daniels. Uh, you know, I think he's a good quarterback, but I just think that his ceiling and floor are so wide that uh, you know he could be really bad he could be amazing and it's just hard to pinpoint exactly where i think he's going to be at so that's kind of why i put him in that uh, lower tier I, I definitely agree with that but i think that about wraps it up all right uh you can follow me at on twitter at pt nick 32 you can follow him at pro talk logan until next time dino talk